My name is JD Henning, and you're listening to Cheat the Camera, the podcast by, about, and for short films. Today with me I have Justin Robert Vinal, who is a stalwart in uh, the local Seattle film community, and he recently did a film called A Purple Vision, which I got a chance to see at the last public event I went to before COVID, which was the Tacoma Film Festival. I'm gonna go ahead and hand it over. Justin, why don't you say hello? Hello, as uh, Josh mentioned, my name is uh, Justin Robert Vinal. I'm a uh, local film writer and director. And yeah, uh, we uh, I made a film called A Purple Vision. It's a short horror film, follows the story of a young woman named Ellie who has pretty intense social anxiety when she goes to a, a party and she just wants to be well-liked. But in doing that, she makes drastic choices where she uses a type of elixir to have people notice her and be attracted to her. And as night goes on, things continue to unravel through her uh, actions. Yeah, it is, it is a fascinating film. The link is in the description and you can, if you... If you can, please take take a moment to pause and watch through the watch through the short. It's only what uh, fifteen minutes long. Yeah, around that, roughly. Yeah, so it doesn't take too long, and we're gonna get into all sorts of spoilers, etc. So talking all about the specific details and choices of of how the film came together. So if you can, please go ahead and take a look at that. Otherwise, we're just gonna get into it. Yeah, and I wanted to say, man, the introduction of of a purple vision was excellent. You just you just slipped us right into that sort sort of horror mindset very very quick uh, very very quickly. It felt very spooky very quickly. So I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how you managed to create that sort of spooky atmosphere even in the first few minutes before anything untoward really happens. Yeah. So I think the the one thing I think that makes horror films work at the end of the day is relatability. And with the character of Ellie, we, you know, we quickly established that she has this like otherworldly supernatural kind of like uh, elixir. And then so there's already something up with her. But as she enters the party and we have that shot of her sitting behind the group of people and we get to see the faces of the people there as they just continue the conversation and everything i i i wanted to add a an air of uncomfortability and i feel like leading into a horror film if you can add an air an, an air of unease before you get into like the really like nitty gritty horror atmosphere of it. I think that then like leads up to having a lot more of a larger effect. And I think, I think in terms of feeling like an outcast at a party, I think with Ellie's case, there's a form of relatability there. And also just like, you know, the, the idea of just building that horror from there, from the, like how, how it can start from something as small as just feeling uncomfortable all the way to like escalating into sheer terror. Yeah, and you, you, you ramped that up really dramatically at the end there. That was, I, I, I gotta admit, I really wasn't expecting the, the blood and gore <laughs> to guts to suddenly come out. <laughs> yeah, we, we, I, I, you know, it was, it was, it's definitely like Twilight Zone inspired, Black Mirror kind of inspired, where it's like, it's very much about the psychological kind of so, socio feel about it. But of course, like, being a horror film, I, I feel like it did need a little bit of a punch at the end. And I, I felt like the ending was pretty effective in terms of like the outcome of what Ellie's decision 
uh, came down to a, a decision interactions, and I just wanted to show that in a very dramatic, uh, dramatic effect. Yeah, yeah, and you really did. I loved, you know, your your use of color in in and throughout the film. I mean, obviously, it's called a purple vision, so <laughs> we're going to be seeing a lot of purple. That was excellent. Yeah, so. I'd be interested in hearing how, how this idea kind of came to be. It seems like you have a little bit of a cadre of friends that you do these sorts of projects with. So why don't you talk about how this particular project kind of where the idea came from? Yeah, totally. I, gosh, so I have to go way back because I've always like loved the idea of like people being like under like control like the the idea of obsession and just like the 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 influence a person can have on one person so like i made a i wrote a play back in high school like in 2011 called what's it called a product of false affection which was kind of about a abusive uh, relationship and the partner didn't want to lose their wife and so they are they call upon the assistance of this businessman who has different types of potions that you can use to keep to use on someone or on yourself or whatnot. And he uses a love potion on her, but then the effects of that starts to wear off because, uh, like at the end of the day, like like she the the love that she doesn't have for him is 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 so strong there that she that the that the potion's effects are not like are not staying on so he has to like keep slipping this like kind of love potion to her every so often so that was a play i did in high school and it was very well received and did well so i kind of kept the kind of a love potion kind of idea in my back pocket for film and i think when i became more enchanted with twilight zone i started to try to write something a bit more subtle in that sense and a bit more of the time and i think i wrote this back in 2016 it went through various forms like some of it was like it was it was it was kind of like like the warriors where us, like everyone gathers around at this one event and then something happens where everyone's kind of like now chasing the the, the warriors throughout the, the the streets of new york so so there was a point where the story was like the love potion was the, the the love potion was so powerful on these people that they were chasing Ellie throughout the streets of like Seattle or something. So it, it, it kind of shifted and turned and like had many different forms throughout the years. And then I just I was trying to think of another short film I wanted to make after a horror film I made the year previously called Emiko, and I thought this was a good one to do. And the uh, the people I work with are all fantastic, lovely, hardworking folks that. I've worked with on dozens of projects outside of my own. I know Alex Sylvester with uh, Fresh Cut Films have people that I have worked with. And th there's just a handful of, of like-minded people that want to come together and make something creative and narrative-driven that, that you don't often get to be able to do around here since it's so commercial and uh, corporate focused around here so and it gave it give it gives uh, people opportunities to kind of stretch their 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 muscles in with with an opportunity on a smaller scale project but have something for their portfolio too so it's a win-win at the end of the day i feel for for the folks that like to come back on and work on my projects or the projects that are friends have in mind and yeah so i think that answers your question i like to ramble so <laughs> <laughs> ramble away that's what podcasts are for isn't it we're just listening to people kind of blab on about whatever for eons and eons so i'm true, all true. about that okay so let's talk a little bit about it sounds like you had you had a play that was kind of 
somewhat larger in scope. And then you had a script that also had, you know, exterior scenes and crazy things like that. What was the process of taking a kind of your bigger idea and making it fit within the constraints of what you had available? And yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's kind of really it too, is like, I think, I think when you're making short projects like this and you're working with like, because like the budget for this was like probably, I need the exact number if I had to like guess, but probably like three or 5,000 altogether, maybe. So I, I was just looking at like resources that I had available to me. Like like the location was through a friend of mine that, that we were able to rent like rent out this clubhouse for free for two days. Actor the actors, the the, the fantastic actors I've had the pleasure of working with on this, they 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 were interested in working with me and the people on this project and they were more than willing to uh, spare their time to uh, be involved uh, with the project. And then the same goes for the DP too. The DP has all his own equipment. So like we were able to save a bunch of costs because the DP had like uh, his own Canon camera, Ari camera, lights and everything. Matt, Matt, our gaffer is more than generous to share his equipment too. So it's, I think it's just, it comes down to the generosity of a lot of wonderful folks that I have the privilege of working with time and time again that share their time and their resources to help create something like this and of course like you know at the end of the day we don't want to like you know keep them you know from you know they they know like making a movie is difficult so you know they we we know we'll be going 10 hours but i never want to like go past that and i want to make sure they're fed properly and all that jazz too and everyone's taken care of at the end of the day so as long as like it's a happy set and everyone's like feeling comfortable and they're fed and like they're not you know tired and they're feeling creatively fulfilled it's that's that's what makes 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 that process of filmmaking the best for me yeah that makes sense it it sounds like i mean i know from experience we met on a set together uh, that you have roots in the community here and it sounds like that actually was was helpful when it came to putting a purple vision together these mm-hmm. are people that you've worked with yeah i've 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 i've, I've oh gosh i've been working i think professionally around here since 2015 and a lot of the people that uh, a good chunk of the people that i've I, I continue to work with, I met through uh, college at Shoreline Community College and when we were working in film and the uh, the theater program there. So like I, I was lucky enough just to be surrounded by like-minded people who went on to continue their work in film career and grow as an artist and everything. So, and, and then of course it's just meeting wonderful people, more wonderful people along the way, like like after college, like working on different sets, I've I've been able to connect with people who ha- ha- were excited about like ma- like the ideas that I would bring to them, or have had wanted to try to experiment with that or something like that. So and and be and it being Seattle, you run into a lot of familiar faces and meeting people on set and vi- and kind of finding a th- same vibe with them is so rewarding. And then being able to bring both bring your idea and their ideas together. And have it come to life is 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 I think some of the best parts of, of filmmaking. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. It's next to impossible to make a film all by yourself, and you have to have a lot of people helping you do it. So, 
Let's let's talk a little bit about the post-production process on a Purple Vision. It sounds like you shot for for two days, and that probably resulted in a fair amount of footage. How did how did the post process work out for you? Uh, the post post was good. We it, it's it's pretty typical for for we we have like a nice stringed process with how we currently are making our films until like we start to kind of get a bit more grandiose down the line the way that we've done these last couple films has has kind of been the same for us so like we'll throw it through editing our my fantastic editor leah leah franks who has edited i think five of my things she's she i i usually will just give her give her all the stuff and be like cut however you um see fit with this and then we'll we'll kind of mold it into we'll mold it in a way where like the pacing's good the action's good the intentions are good everything can be read and all that jazz and the best part about having leah on too is is just she'll like find things and find moments that i wasn't even considering on sets and i want to see like the, like a cut of the film i'm like oh that's brilliant that's fantastic i love this and uh, getting her viewpoints to really informs the storytelling process of that as well especially since it's a female kind of driven pro led film it's 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 helpful to kind of get it's helpful to have leah on board to kind of get more into that uh mindset and make sure the intentions are still are still present without it being completely withered away in 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 a, in a in a not in in a not so how do i want to put it just to make sure like it all it all translates well like like the like the intentions of the like the cuts within the film with how with how we follow ellie and a lot of the dialogue less moments that she has and then once we're done with that we throw it to a uh, color which we had uh, tk johnson do which he did a wonderful job with the the blues and the reds and the purples and then and then we take it over to uh, brian sloss who is in incredible with his sound design work i i i love working with brian sloss and he he's very much likely to where he'll present ideas that i hadn't even considered and just knocks it out of the park so like all like the bone crushing the 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 hair pulling sound and just just like like everything like especially like with the trophy bits it's he, he i i love doing posts because it's a lot of massaging at the end of the day and it's nice when you kind of like when it's all kind of pieced together and you all sit down and watch it like 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 when when shelby and i are watching like the final cut of it and we're just like kind of looking at like you know do we like the font at this point and just kind of seeing like everything at that point it's all kind of come together and be like all right yeah i think we made something good here yeah, that's great. Shelby, of course, it, w did she have an official role in this project? Yeah, she was our producer for this, and she did a fantabulous job uh, getting everything together from setting up the location to getting uh, our resources together. And uh, yeah, Shelby, Shelby produces all my films, and she is lovely, lovely, lovely to have on. Yeah, that is excellent. It sounds like you've really surrounded yourself with a, a supportive creative community. So... If there are people out there who are listening to this who are interested in, you know, becoming a part of a film scene, growing with uh, creative partnerships, if you were to give them any advice, what would it be? I would say just get involved, especially like if you can get yourself on a film set too. Like you, I think you learn a lot about like like if you're if you're wanting to like learn how to how to make film. Like if you if you're looking to write and direct, I would say if you can get yourself involved on a set, like as like a PA or or any kind of like 
role you learn so much and then i would say that, like going to film like going going to film school was nice but I, I learned way more on sets. The best part about film school is the people I, I got to meet there. So I would recommend definitely getting involved in like any kind of film clubs or like if you do go to film school, find like minded people who kind of have that same vibe and same energy and, you know, help them with their projects. And, you know, the you know, they, they, the, the favor could be returned and all that jazz. So I would, I would, I would just say, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's corny to say, but it's like, you know, when you're making films, it's like making, it's like you're, you're, you're just uh, playing pretend with your friends. And it's, 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 it's nice when you can like, like make uh, art with, with pals all around. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Well, I, let's get into some of the details on a purple vision. I just, there were a couple of things that I noticed that I thought were really that were really interesting. I I mean, for one, how'd you do the glow, the glowing vial? <laughs> I, I love so Siri Southwick Young, who it was our production designer on that. She did all the other like she did everything art wise. She did props, the uh, the set dressing. She was great. She was absolutely wonderful. And we wanted this glowing effect to happen for whenever Aaron Wright, who plays Ellie, to hold. And uh, we were we were originally going to do like a, oh gosh, what's it called? Like a, like a little, like the liquid from like a glow stick. We're going to put it in there. But that didn't really read for us and wasn't as strong for us. So we kept thinking and kept brainstorming. And eventually what we ended up doing is once we figured out the costume, every time Ellie holds up the, uh, the vial, she has a string of Christmas lights going through her, 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 her top that's going up her sleeve and she has it wrapped around at the bottom of the of the vial and the vial itself it contains uh, water and coconut milk which gives it that kind of like like that faded effect i guess is what you would what you yeah. would call it so so a cloud sorry cloudy effect so that's what helped extenuate extenuate the 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 glow and so whenever we would do shots with that we would just have these Christmas lights string out of Aaron and go all the way to to an outlet. So, <laughs> which which was pretty pretty amusing to see every time we we whipped it out. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure that the actual onset experience when you bring out the blood and guts, at least in my experience, that's kind of that's one of the more enjoyable times because everybody gets to do this, you know, ridiculously fanciful thing. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about that that kind of incredibly gruesome scene at the conclusion of the film? Yeah, so that was our second day of filming, and we were going a bit late on that. And we, the stage, we we were messing around with the staging a bit too, and just kind of like improvising things because we had shot list everything, but the finale was a little all over the place. So we were just kind of like going, like we were just kind of taking the camera and rolling wherever we thought was a good angle to get uh, action on. So it was a lot of freeform stuff on the end of the second day, but with the blood and gore for there we we you know we 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 doused rebecca franklin who plays marcia the 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 woman who ends up taking oh gosh i'm forgetting the character's name peter peter's trophy played by leo phillips uh, he takes the trophy and smashes his with we we started with that because because you know that like rebecca gets the most blood to play with so we just we just you know went outside and doused her in blood and just like had this kind of incredible like 
like like eight like from a 1980s teen horror film kind of look go for her and then once we got once we got into the the real nitty-gritty stuff of it you know we got everyone else involved with like getting like the the their hands all bloodied and whatnot and we threw a prost we threw some latex on aaron's face for the the face pulling effect and it was just a blast everyone was having fun there was a lot of laughs going on and all that done was all that was done by the magnificent rat harrison who had done my previous film and yeah no it was it was just absolute blast and having phila leo on the ground with the blood splattered face was very enjoyable for him and he had to lay on that ground for about two hours until we got everything all situated but uh, it was it was everyone everyone had a great time with the blood once that came out and usually yeah and and of course you're right it's it's usually once the blood comes out it's 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 hooting a holler and everyone's like having a great time yeah it's funny how sometimes the the most horrible things in in the project are sometimes the most enjoyable things to film. Absolutely, that makes a lot of sense. I'm gonna have to take a second here because my cat is behind my computer and I'm a little concerned she might like knock it over. One sec. Okay, cool. Well, that was my cat. Moshi, got love Moshi, come on. <laughs> was there anything that surprised you while you were on set? Gosh. I'm trying to remember. We filmed this back in February of 2019, and I'm just trying to remember like what we, what what stood out. I mean, gosh, I guess I guess just the 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 ingenuity of a lot of people. Like so, like when it came down to the final scene, you know, I had an idea of what I wanted, but like every like everyone like came together and like had like 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 we we got to the point where it's like you know like I I was like directing but like we 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 expanded to everyone and how we wanted to like showcase the finale so everyone like had like threw some input in there so like we had we had david uh, david burns who was a dp had complete control of like kind of like the 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 cinematography of the scene there and then like seth halloran who was the camera operator played a lot with staging in terms of like how how the staging of the finale would go down with with this angle because getting Getting Ellie from one point to the other was a little was a little tricky based on the staging of the of the uh, the place itself because in the script it's it's a little bit more it's a little bit like the state like 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 when you get locations like this you're you're very grateful for it because it's a big enough space and it works and everything but you you're having to readapt like where characters are standing at and where they're coming from and everything so we were definitely like playing with staging quite a bit during the finale so I was very grateful and surprised by just the amount of creativity just flowing at like 3 a.m. with everyone at that point other i mean other things is just like you know just little things like you know like 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 the glowing like having the bottle having the vial like glow in a very creative way like the little creative moments like you know discussions with actors about the intentions and like whatnot like every like every everything about like being on on set is exciting and fun and and memorable so i don't know if, it, if there was anything in particular that was surprising but like it, it, it's it's the experience is always rewarding yeah yeah that sounds great i it is there's a unique joy to being on a film set and i think that's why that's why people make films that's why people make short films maybe even more specifically so many of the people who decide to do a short, it's because 
they don't have the resources for a feature or they are interested in moving yeah. into the, in that direction but this is this is a way to kind of do a little bit of a practice run um yeah yeah and so that leads me to another question i'm wondering why why personally do do you do short films well, it's, it, it comes down to this kind of finances at this point, you know, I, at the end of the day, like a lot of the, like all of my projects are self-funded other than Emiko. Emiko was wonderfully blessed through a seed and spark, a crowdsource. And we were able to do like a project we do that was, we were able to do that film for under like 10 K with a lot of, a lot of great folks on, and on a, on a slightly bigger scale where purple vision had to be kind of scaled down a bit more because of just resources. If, if I, I mean, if I had the opportunity, I would love to do a feature. I, I have a, a feature in mind that I would love to, to make, but again, it's just kind of like, as as uh, we start to kind of get out of the pandemic and things settle down and you know the 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 smoke clears you know moving into that direction becomes a bit more of an option and I feel like short films are great to kind of like get practicing on certain skill sets that you want to improve upon so like for example like I want I, I I made a short film that was a comedy I'd never done comedy before and I gave my hand at it how it reacted with an audience and was like great cool that worked and I tried horror and this horror kind of stuck so it's like like and then like I came I came from like the, a theater background so like to strengthen my actor my the my my way of talking to actors is already there but on a more technical level I'm trying to like get my brain to work to be a bit more uh, fit for knowing what exactly to look for more technically because like at the end of the day my my dp my camera operator my acs everyone everyone in in that department and surrounding them know way more than i do all i know is how to try to tell the best story i can possibly can but if i'm able to learn and grow from doing the like my my whole thing is like I, I I would rather I would rather have a short film that does well, but have have things that I recognize that I can improve upon with the next one, and and that's that's what ends up working for me. That's what that's what happens when every time I make a film, like I I I I I feel like it's it, I feel like I've I've given it my all and it's 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 done well. Um, but I, I do want to like embrace like any criticisms that that is drawn to it or things that I might have overlooked or didn't work or whatnot. But and with purple, I, I'm very happy with almost everything with it. There's there's all there. There's a lot that I, I take away from this project with a great pride with that. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I yeah, for I think everyone who's who's on this journey of making a short, it's it's a process of self-betterment and mm -hmm. kind of discovery. So I'm wondering, as you are thinking about your next short, or hopefully all those Medici's out there, give this guy a look <laughs> and give him a little bit of Bitcoin. Please. <laughs> yeah. So on your next project, as you're thinking about that, what, what sorts of things are inspiring you right now? What are you watching or reading or, or taking in that's giving you inspiration? It's been kind of weird. Like during, because of the whole pandemic, my, I've been, my brain's been kind of mushy with like, kind of like, I've been, I tried to like, I've been trying to like really kind of force some creativity out during the pandemic, but because like so much of my writing right now is kind of so pandemic related. I was like, I can't, I can't really focus up like this right now, but I, the not, not it, it's been recently though, that I've been able to 
conjure up a feature of sorts because I, I I've loved doing the short films, but that's you know as as I start to uh, get older, I'm ready to kind of start moving in that direction, and I feel more confident with my skill set and whatnot. But the things that have stuck out to me that I've been kind of reviewing for a future project have been like the work like there's this manga horror manga artist i've been um following named junji ito he does like a lot of body horror kind of twilight zone type of storytelling very grotesque but kind of beautiful imagery and then you know his lovecraft and everything so something kind of a bit more cosmic horror-esque is on the horizon and it would it would it would definitely like be like a small scale uh, horror feature film, but it would have greater effects in terms of like the themes of like obsession and control and, you know, facing your past, present and future and how that kind of comes back to haunt you. And yeah, so that's kind of like what I like, what I am feeling with this feature right now is, is kind of something kind of cosmic inspired and influenced from like Junji Ito's work and all that jazz. Oh, that's exciting. I've never heard of this manga artist. I might have to look upon it and be horrified. <laughs> if, if, you, if, if you're looking for a good one, there's a great one called Uzumaki, which is just about the horror of spirals. So it's, it, he, makes the very, he makes the most mundane kind of things terrifying. So and he has a, one of my favorites that he's made, um, or my favorite from him is called uh, Long Dream, which is about a guy who falls asleep and in the dream he's he's he he's he feels like he's in real life and he's like lived 10 years but when he wakes up he he realizes like that was just all a dream but his reality in that dream was was 10 years and then so on and so forth and he his mind just starts to go mad and everything so he's he's a great artist to kind of like look out for like uh mundane kind of like horror storytelling there's there's a unique trick to being able to take things that are otherwise ordinary and basically mm -hmm. unforgettable and to turn them into something that something that terrifies or bewitches a person. Yeah, and that makes yeah. sense that you're interested in it because that's exactly what a Purple Vision is, that social anxiety that I wouldn't be surprised if maybe a lot of people are going to have coming out of COVID and, and then kind of amping that up to its sort of most extreme level. Yeah, that makes all sorts of sense that that's the sort of thing that interests you. So I guess I, I have one more kind of general question for you. In your opinion, what makes a good short film? Hmm. I would say just knowing your pacing, that's huge. Like if you, like, like I, it's tough too, because the landscape's changing so much. Like, like I think pacing's huge, but also engagement is, as we get more and more kind of going down this rabbit hole of digital media and how we intake it, like, you know, you look at TikToks and like how people, how, like, you know, like you look at TikToks and just the, the way stories are told so quick through that, whether it's like, you know, like you know like 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 it's like 10 seconds of just like you you know exactly where you're starting from where it's going and then like the ending can be a surprise or like you you just kind of know when the punchline's coming in and it's told in like 10 seconds it's just incredible for to to see short films they're tricky they're, like i think trying to keep viewer engagement is a bit more difficult when it's like something that's like over over 
five minutes nowadays. Like, like I wanted purple to be eight minutes, but it had to be, it had to run like 13 to 15 because of just the storytelling within it. So like when I realized what the length of what purple was, I was like, okay, well, at least do we have something that grips them right at the beginning? And that's, I think one of the other huge factors is do you have a gripping first image? And I like to think that, that purple has that, or at least I, I like, I like, I hope that it has that it, where you see like, you know, the promise of something and it can, it can continue to, to hold on to you as the film goes on. Cause it does have a slow start, but then ramps up. So I think a gripping first image, knowing your pacing and then not overstaying your welcome is, is critical. And, you know, you look at like, Again, you look at like Stanley Kubrick and he, one of the things, like, I think he, I can't remember what quote, he, I, I can't remember the exact quote, but he said something along the lines of like, like he's fascinated by like, like commercials because of how fast they tell stories. So like, you know, I can't imagine like if he saw like a Vine or a TikTok or whatever <laughs> nowadays, it's like it, it probably his mind would probably be even more blown. It's just the, 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 the. A lot of stuff's being watched on people's phones, so it's like it's 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 a bit more difficult to have people watch uh, a whole short film on their phone. So I would say just like shorter the better, gripping first image, don't overstay your welcome, and know your pacing are like the huge things. So time time all around is is critical, I think, with with a short film. Hmm. Those are wise words. That's a mantra to follow. So I I think that's everything that we have. Where can people find you? Yeah, you guys, I'm I'm kind of all over the place. Uh, you can follow a lot of our work at nextfloorentertainment.com. That's where we have all our projects at. We have Purple Vision there. We have Pod People, which was a short film I just produced uh, alongside with Purple Vision around the same time. We have all our social media links there. We're on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all as Next Floor Entertainment. And yeah, you can find all our works there. You can find our upcoming projects and whatnot. And as we start to get out of COVID, you know, we, we, we're starting to kind of wake up with projects that are that have been kind of a bit dormant during the whole pandemic. So we have we have a project that uh, Shelby's been working on, a project that, that my dear friend Alex Sylvester's been working on. So we have we have things in the works. It's just now we're getting ready to get back to to the grind of it all. Absolutely. Excellent. Thank you so much, sir, for talking and sharing your wisdom about your excellent film and filmmaking in general. Everybody, Justin Robert Vinal. <laughs>